Welcome to episode 7 of the ZA Dev Chat podcast. My name is Stephen, and before we get started with tonight's show, I just wanted to run through some of the dev events that are happening um, up in Joburg over the next few months. First off is JSNSA, which is unfortunately already sold out. But if you aren't one of the lucky ones to have gotten a ticket, I would recommend entering any competition that you can find or scalping tickets from one of your friends that managed to organize one. The other event is Microsoft's Build Conference at the start of June. Signups for that are free but limited from my understanding. The signups for that would be found at the Microsoft Events page. I will find the link and tweet it out. And then finally, if you're a budding speaker on all things Agile, Agile Africa is accepting uh, talk proposals until the end of April. So you've still got two weeks to get that in. Um, And yeah, back to the show. Thanks. Our panel tonight consists of Peter Charmeshuis. Hello from dark South Africa. Len Weinsier. How's it? (laughs) And tonight we are going to be discussing working on a remote team. And our resident expert on this for tonight is going to be Peter. So, Peter, tell me, how long have you been working on this remote team that you've been working with now? I think it's um, close to over a year now. Um, Yeah, I might get the time wrong, but yeah, it's been close to over a year. Wow, I didn't realize it had been so long already. It's, and, and so far, you're, you're enjoying it? It's going well? Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said to work uh, to be working on like a cool open source project, and it just happens to be that um, I'm part of the team. Um, so that's fun. Then let's dive straight into, straight into the meat of everything. What, what do you feel the pros are for having a remote team and not just having a remote team, but getting to work on a remote team? So looking at it from two angles. Um, I've generally been very bad in the past about my communication skills. And I think um, one part of um, working or one pro about working on a remote team is actually learning to better communicate, being like almost, yeah, being able to convey your your intent and what you're supposed to be doing for the week a little bit better. Um, that's that's a big pro for me. Let me think about something else. It's quite difficult. You kind of put me on the spot here. So, so maybe let's 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 approach it from a different place. Uh, so you're a remote worker. You wake up at what, like about top past ten in the morning. Um, it's very relaxed. Uh, get onto Skype at about two in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, catch up with Netflix or episodes. Uh, I mean, how does your day roll? Like, how do you, you know, how does it actually work? Like, for for people who've who've never worked remotely, give them an idea. Okay, so currently it's a it's a bit of a difficult one um, until I start working with them remotely full time. Um, currently, it is a part time remote setup, so I've got a nine to five, um, like most general people do, and then in the evenings, I kind of jump on at about seven or eight, and then I work until eleven or twelve. I suppose I suppose the the pattern wouldn't really change when I. Um, when I start doing it on a full-time basis, I'll still get up at the same time and then work my normal nine to five, obviously taking a little bit more breaks in between as I've got the whole day ahead of me. And I've got the free time in the evening that I'm actually supposed to be working with them right now. 
But the, the journey, what happens is when I get on the e- in the evening, uh, that just so happens to coincide with one of the other team members in the States. And we generally have a little catch-up session. And um, but luckily, um, the other team members in Lithuania, and he, they're pretty much on a very similar like uh, um, time zone than us. So it's easy to chat to him during the day at work and just catch up and see where we are. Right, and and most of the interaction is then happening sort of by voice, like like this, or is it you know, in Slack or something like that? So um, we've actually tried a couple of communication methods. Email is a definite no-no for me. I don't, I just don't like email. Is very very bad. So something like HipChat. Um, we actually just recently moved from HipChat to Slack. I think something with Git integration is for us very important, um, mm. just so that when I open up. App chat or Slack in the morning, I can see the activity that's happened during the day or like since I've been asleep. Um, I think that's for me. It's important to have that kind of feedback, especially working on a, like a disconnected or like a remote team. Um, yeah. So I'm assuming you use GitHub or at least something you know something similar for tracking for tracking the code and for tracking issues. So yeah, um, I think GitHub is very um, very key to our particular setup. We use GitHub issues as our kind of like our Trello board or like our Kanban board, and and it works quite quite nicely. So you've been having really long days for a while now, having a full time job and a part time job. So the one thing you said just now intrigued me a little bit. You you mentioned when you were talking about communication how you communicate to everybody what you're doing for the week so with your team catch-up do you guys do a a day-to-day catch-up or do you set do you have like mini sprints almost and set up your work for a week and then just report back on that I think I think some teams might be very different and I think it's all about the culture of the team specifically and um, I've uh, on the other teams that I've worked remotely, it's it's completely different. But with us, we're we're very relaxed about how we approach approach the work. So what we will do is I'll just go through the GitHub issues and I'll I'll say, hey, I'd, I'd like to tackle this particular issue, and then we'll just discuss it internally and just look at what the best approach is to solving the problem, and then take it from there. It's not like we have a, like a day to day catch up. It's kind of like. If I see one of the team members online, I'll say, hey, how's it going? Um, what are you currently working on? Just because I'm interested. And I think the, the important part for me is that it's a very interesting project to be working on. So I actually want to know what's going on. So that, that's been very helpful as well. Yeah, it's always good when the people on the project are actually interested in in the work itself so having I, I did a little bit of remote work the team that i was working with at the time we were all working on a on a single project and there we had people that didn't really want to do the whole communication thing it was more i want to sit in my corner and i want to just do my own thing leave me alone and if somebody else so so if i was working remotely or one of the other guys is working remotely and they had an issue you know there were certain people on the team that just really weren't too fussed about it and if we solved it or we fixed it or whatever 
you know, there, there wasn't any real interest as to, you know, you've worked on your feature, I'm working on my feature, the system as a whole is happy, so, you know, let's not, let's not worry about it. So it's nice to hear that you're at least on a team where it sounds like everybody is very keen to know about everything that's going on. It must help with communication a fair amount. Oh, yeah. Um, I, also th- I just want to add a comment about the, the whole one person sitting in a corner. I, I, th- I honestly do think that you need to be able to or you need to want to work on the project. Otherwise, what happens is that that, that particular team member will join the team, they'll sit in the corner, and then they're almost like just fade out of the team because they're not staying like staying interactive and it's it's all about collaboration right like if that guy's going to sit in the corner and not do anything it's almost like what is what is he doing i i never know it's just uh, that that thing actually happens in a lot of teams as well right like you'll if you have a big team you'll always get the guy that just wants to sit in the corner do his work and then after a while it's almost like that guy just gets pushed out to the side you give him stuff that that you don't generally want like it's like the non-important work that you want them to work on if you want to go sit in the corner you go sit in the corner you do this work and we'll leave you alone and then you kind of slowly but surely that guy will start feeling alienated and will eventually leave anyway that is so harsh but it's true it's true yeah, and, uh, I, I like that analogy of, of being on the bus you know uh, I think Paul Graham talks about it like People have to get on the bus themselves, you know. And the bus is going. The bus is always moving somewhere. The project's going. And if you don't stay on the bus, you're going to get left behind. And nobody really likes to jump off the bus and hike back and fetch you and haul you back on the bus. You know, maybe we'll do that once or twice for new people. But if you don't keep stay on the bus, like, well, cheers, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and I also think it's not about being harsh. Uh, I didn't mean it in any kind of like tone like that. I just, I'm just saying that, like, everybody has to find where they fit. And unfortunate, and if you don't fit in a particular setup, an environment, or a culture, then you're going to feel excluded anyway. And well, I, I would, and I would generally just leave. I yeah. would go, okay, well, this isn't working for me. Clearly, I don't fit. I'm going to find a place where I do fit. And you do get some teams where everybody is working their own little piece of the pie and like it's happy-go-lucky. But then you get these very interactive, collaborative teams and they, you kind of like just meld in with culture. So now, how do you actually get to know your team members? So I'm very lucky that when I'm around somebody for a short period of time, as in like we're in the, we're, we're co-located i can get to know somebody and get a feeling for them really quickly because i've been around them i get to, i can read them very quickly with a remote team how do you actually get to get to know your team members get an idea of their sense of humor when are they just being sarcastic or, or when are they in that you know leave me alone phase i'm i'm really concentrating now <laughs> So I generally go and test the boundaries, right? Like, for instance, how do I get to know their sense of humor? I'll actually test my sense of humor on them and see how they respond. No, I'm joking. So how do you get to know your team members? Well, I think um, it's important to not just have the general work chat. That's why I say on a, on a day-to-day basis, I'll try and catch up, see what's happening in their lives. And you kind of get to know people by talking, uh, by talking to them about their lives and what's going on. I'm on a, on a more personal level instead of just work, 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 because, you know, that's not always fun. It's, it's, 
people are people, right? And you actually want to have some kind of connection with them. And I think it's very important for like building a remote culture that you actually do need to know your team members on some kind of intimate level. Can, can that, I jump in there, Peter? Oh, I sure. Circle, unpack a couple of things you're talking about. Uh, firstly, do you have a boss? Do I have a boss? Uh, yes, I do. So, I mean, remotely, how does that kind of work out? Does your boss sort of manage your task list remotely, or are you pretty much self-managing in that sense? So the team is completely self-managed. Even though I have a boss, um, he's mm. almost never around to uh, on a day-to-day basis. Mm. I might chat to him maybe once a month. And um, so we're pretty much self-managing as long as everybody knows what's going on. Uh, yeah, it's like it's very self-managing. Like we, we get through work and just as long as we do that, then everything is fine. Yeah, so it, it strikes me that if you didn't have anything to do, you would find something to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's what I'm saying. The culture of the team is very important because everybody wants to work on the project. The project is very interesting. So mm. you're going to go, actively go out and find issues to resolve. Yeah. Um, I, I love working with guys like you on a team because I can sort of point you in a direction. I can say, hey, go look at that mess over there. <laughs> that code needs like some serious, you know, rework or or like i don't know what you know but like take it uh go clean it up dig it out whatever you need to do and uh, you know once once we've been through that once or twice then i just relax and i know that you'll be spelunking through that code and cleaning it up and hey rewriting it doing whatever you want to do but but we get we get to kind of we get to feel a uh, feel for each other where we know that uh, you know, the other person on the team will be doing cool stuff. And anyway, I'll be seeing your commits flowing through. And uh, for me, that's a very big way that we interact on, on remote teams is watching the code, the code base. Like you said, you you log back into HipChat or Slack or something, and you can go, "Hey, cool! Oh, that code came through. That's cool. Let me go and have a look at that piece of code. Yep, yep, that's that's exactly on. Or, hey, what's that guy doing?" And um, I don't know if you do it, but I do it a lot where I add comments back into like the, the Git code base using GitHub or whatever and say, hang on, like what were you doing here? Like this just this seems non-idiomatic. So, yeah, we yeah. definitely do that, yeah. So I'm curious now, slight change of topic, um, Len, mm. team, team 01, right. you guys currently remote or will it be co-located, will the team be co-located once um, Gabriel and Ridwana have um, left IS? Um, it's very much up in the air, but I think a bit of both. Um, you know, we, we've done a lot of remote stuff and face-to-face every now and again. Okay, so this this leads me into something that you've both mentioned, and that that that's culture. The thing with molding a, a culture of a team, mm-hmm. right, is bringing new people onto that team. So, Peter, I don't know whether you know if you've been on the team for so for for a year now. Have you been around for for there to be somebody new added to the team? I'm curious how you interview remote people. Hmm. So this is actually very interesting. Um, so since I've joined, we actually haven't had anybody new on the team, and there's a big, very big reason for it. We could obviously grow the team and have 50 team members, but we do feel that 
um, it would be very difficult to, first of all, manage the project of our size with 50 people. And another thing is we find it very important to keep the team small because you want to be able to work with this person. And if the team grows quite quickly, then it's like, I, oh, yeah, there's this guy called X. Um, I actually don't know what he's working on right now. Um, it just gets uh, very difficult to manage. And, like, the, the project doesn't warrant such a big team. So um, we do get a, a couple of guys actually committing now and then, but they don't automatically just form part of the team, right? Yeah, so they're, they're just people who are just opening or j- just submitting pull requests because, you know, open source. Yeah, yeah. Um, so out of curiosity then, how were you interviewed to join the team? So one of the one of the reason, one of the ways that we actually get um, people to, if you willing to join or free if you want to join the team then what we'll do is we'll say work on this piece of code we know that it's a bit of a pain see what you can do with it submit a pull request we'll have a look at it and then that kind of starts the conversation okay well what were you thinking doing this and you kind of kind of gauge the person's uh, personality the way they work the way they code um, it's uh, it's it's kind of like a nice little workflow by starting it off with a pull request because that first of all means that the person is actually committed to doing something right, and mm-hmm. then we'll c- carry on the conversation from there. You you get a sense of their energy right away from the kinds of things that they're doing. Uh, Peter, I'm, I just wanted to to jump in with, with Stephen for a second. Stephen, you you work mainly on kind of outsourced consulting type projects, is that right? So yeah, I'm well. I'm I'm on a team at a client, so yeah. I'm co-located with my team members. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that kind of work is really hard to do remotely, uh, because your focus keeps changing. Uh, remote teams work really well when everybody's focused about exactly the same thing. We're working on an open source project. We're all working on the Linux kernel or whatever you know the thing is. So the the f- the thing that holds the focus of the team is very clear. It's very distinct. We're going to go and build um, Hadoop or you know whatever it is. We're not going to change the focus of the team very often. Mm-hmm. So so people who who, who yeah. want to get in on the team just pull in. They they're keen. They're passionate. They almost get themselves a job. Quite literally, they they just rock up. They go. I love what you're doing. Let me do some more, and you're like, "Cool, pull in, <laughs> have a you know, have a seat at the virtual round table, and uh, <laughs> please please keep building cool stuff." Whereas if if you're looking for clients, and you know, going back to the kind of zero one thing, that's very hard to do remotely, because you you know, especially when you're doing requirements gathering or anything like that, that is super hard to do remotely. So that does make a lot of sense. I've I've never I've never thought of it in those terms, and that that really does lay it out quite nicely. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. The, just thinking more about the, the pros of having a remote team. So working on a remote team is awesome because the only traffic you've really got is you know stepping over your dog or your cat in the passage to get through to whatever room you're coding in for the day. Um, from a, from a, a team point of view, I suppose the pros would be that you could get 
the best people available to work on it, regardless of their location. So, Peter, you were saying, I mean, you're, you're down, you're down in Durban. One of your teammates is in the U.S. Another teammate is in Lithuania. Where else do you, where you guys, do do you have teammates? So we've we've got one or two in London, so in the U.K. And that's that. Oh no, we've got another guy. I can't remember Netherlands or something like that. But that's that's pretty much it. Our team is yeah, very so small. I mean, it's, it's it's really great that you don't have to worry about you know, will this guy be able to commute in? You know, mm-hmm. you've got the best people that you that that you can find to work on on the project. Are there are there any other massive pros? That, that you can think of? Well, there's one that you actually did mention, um, but I also do see it as a con, is the commuting. So you're saving on, like, obviously your petrol costs, maintenance costs on your vehicle. But I do see that as a con as well. Um, but we'll, we'll chat about that when when we actually do get the cons. And uh, you know what? We, um, we actually forgot that Len also works on remote teams, and I'm very curious as to... Whether or not he's got some suggestions from from a pro's point of view, um, as as he seems to have a little bit more experience on working on remote teams than I do. Um, one of the things that we did once, which was quite cool, is just have like an open Skype call going. You know, pick pick your tool, but but an open voice call. Even though we were we were working on different things, um, we would just be working away and then I could say hey Stephen you know didn't you work on such and such a thing and he'd be like, you know and it was quite nice because you could have this sort of back channel if you like which which wasn't interrupting your typing you didn't have to switch your typing I could still be looking at my code editor and I could be listening to the other guys uh, yeah just talking in the background yeah kind of like an office vibe happening in the background which was which was really neat so yeah. that also has to be uh, kind of like in, um, like learned, right? Because sometimes what happens is you'll have this open voice call and it's almost like you're focusing on this voice call. If it's not in the background, um, yeah. it, it, it's kind of hard to work because you feel that oh, sh- there's this other guy waiting for me to say something. Um, oh. is, is, uh, did you find that in the beginning? No, not at all. Um, uh, I'm... I'm I guess it's it. You know, we're talking about different kinds of teams, different kinds of people working on the teams as well, right? I'm very comfortable to work for long periods without speaking, because you know code is hard, and I need to just kind of focus. So it's almost like you're in the office, even though the people are in Lithuania or wherever they are. It's just they just happen to be over there, and I could just talk to them if I wanted to. But I might not want to, so that was that was quite a nice technique, if you like, that that, that we used at one stage. Now, I remember I remember Scott Hanselman. Um, I think oh, this is going back now. So I think Scott Hanselman, Rob Connery, and Phil Hack were all still at Microsoft, and they were all still sort of working together. And they had a very so instead of having an open voice call, they had like an open video call almost mm. so they had a, they had a pc set up with a web camera in the one office like pointing at everybody and they'd be working at home but kind of like look to the side yes, and you're I looking 
Yeah, you're, like you're a like virtual window into the e- other exactly. office. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, have have you I, seen I, those um, robots that you can drive around the remote office? Yep. Wow, this sounds like something out of the episode from, uh, was it the IT crowd? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so there's, I, there's a commercial company. You can buy them. They're not too expensive. Oh, wow. And you, you can like rent one in London, say, and then send it to the office in London. And then it has basic, basically a Skype call. Except on, wow. on the like iPad in the middle of the yes. robot, it's your face, That's and then there's a camera, and you can wander around the office and like go to a meeting and and have a like real time. Slightly, chat. that's slightly disconcerting actually. <laughs> I have to look at this robot next to me, and Peter's face is in the robot's chest. I, yeah. I, I don't know. And he's going, Stephen, uh, you should be working harder. <laughs> <laughs> the rope, the robot's eyes are up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to get the ergonomics sorted out, but yeah. That's yeah. But that is that that is that is pretty cool. That is pretty um, cool. So I'm I'm curious. We, we've now been dancing around the cons for a while, um, and yeah. So let's let's go with that, Peter. What has been one of the one of the biggest cons for you so far? So there's a there's a couple of things I want to mention. One of them is. Um, as I slowly but surely tra- um, transition into working remotely full-time, um, one of the cons would be that I actually like human interaction and I want like not like physical human interaction. I want to be able to sit in an office and turn around and chat to a real person and no, not a computer. Mm. Um, I think that's, that's very important and that's one thing I'm very, very, it's sad, it's sad to say, but it's, I'm going to see that go. But then there's other things like your community events that will kind of like bring that passion back uh, because there's there's something to be said about sitting next to a guy and chatting to him about a particular problem and working through that problem. Whereas with, um, I, I would suppose with a remote team, especially in our scenario, that would be kind of difficult, especially with the time zones and stuff like that. Also, Another thing is, now I've done this before when I when I was actually doing mechanical engineering. You wake up, and and that has to be trained. Um, you wake up at like nine or ten because you know you don't have to go into an office, and your day starts late, and you fumble around until like one o'clock, and then you go, okay, well maybe I should actually do some work, and then you work. But hang on, hang on. on. There's a new series on Netflix. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And and then before you know it, it's four o'clock, and you go, uh, yeah, you know what? I'll actually tomorrow, tomorrow morning, I'm going to start at seven and watching what Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 so it actually did happen to me, and it's it's actually a bad thing um, because after a while you realize that a week's gone by and you feel bad that you haven't done anything so that's one thing that I'm definitely not going to do so I'm going to make sure that I as Madeleine wakes up for um, work I'll wake up for work as well and I'll actually go sit somewhere else I'll go sit in the coffee shop or I'll, I'll make sure I'll, I'll either get some um, uh, co-working space so I think that's that's very important for me so I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to switch things around a bit because I don't think you're going to have the issue of oh it's half past one and I haven't started working today. I've, I've known you long. No, no, enough he just now. said he did. Man. He said he lost a week. <laughs> <laughs> 
I call <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> One of the biggest cons, and I've seen this happen with a number of people who work remotely, is they suddenly go from working 9, 10 hours a day to working 14, 15 hours a day. Yeah, I was going to say that for me is one of the biggest cons because the work's really interesting. It's really cool. You're working with some like cool guys. So you like roll out of bed at 7 in the morning or whatever, grab a coffee, you sit down at your your workspace and log on or whatever. Next thing, it's like 11 o'clock, you haven't had breakfast. You haven't showered, but you're deep in the work, you know, and it's going to be really hard to like take an hour's break and go do like stuff. So you know, I, I would say that is a con. You're right. See, and then the next thing yeah. is one o'clock in the morning. You know? Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I had this when I was with the previous team I was with. I mean, I worked from home on Tuesdays and Thursdays and I would. I would get up a little bit later because obviously I didn't have to do traffic. So I'd sit down at about eight, half past eight and I'd get going. And at about one o'clock I'd, I'd, you know, quickly jump out the, run out the office, grab, grab a sandwich or whatever, come back in. And the next thing I know, you know, I've got, can hear the kids running around, you know, for bath time, which means, I mean, it's nearly six o'clock at that point. Like, oh crap, you know, I really should be done by now. And then, you know, just one more thing and then put the kids to bed, whatever, uh, watch a series with my wife, walk back into my office for something completely different. And that problem is still open and I was so close. So let's just spend another five minutes on it. Mm. And that five minutes is an hour. And then suddenly you've actually pulled a 14, 15 hour day Mm. and this starts to become a habit. And look, I was lucky. I only worked from home twice a week. Now, if you're going to work from home every single day, I mean, you need to be disciplined to actually not do that. Yeah. So, and um, like I said, my the my tactic is going to be to make sure that I either get a co um, co working space or make sure that I go sit at a coffee shop. I'll tell you why. It's because it's very important for me to come home and completely disconnect from from doing like either my nine to five or whatever it needs to be. And then come home and either play with other stuff, because I don't. It's I don't want that to become like oh dear. I've now moved to um, to working on this project full time. It's now becoming like a drag, and it's not fun anymore because I'm spending like fifteen, sixteen hours, and um, you do get burnout, right? So um, I don't want that to happen. So I want to work my my eight eight to four or my nine to five. Come home disconnect and then work on something else um and who knows maybe that will turn into a new full-time position at some point in time yeah for sure now speaking about constal we we mentioned trying to to get to know your teammates Mm -hmm. isn't it more difficult getting to know somebody online Uh, than actually spending time with them face to face I don't know. People might disagree with me. I don't think so. Um, I think, I think you get to know a person, uh, know, know a person as if that person is going to be really open and honest with you. You can get to know a person quite, quite, quite relatively quickly, and that's what I try to be. Um, I try to be like I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, people know what my emotions are like. You can hear it in my voice, um, and I try to convey that kind of. Um, that kind of personality across when I'm chatting by by voice, and I want to get people to know me. And if 
that gets reciprocated on the other side, then you can actually get to know a person quite quickly um, and about meeting the people. So, like, um, I know that there's a company in Cape Town, I think it's called WooThemes, and what they do is, like, once a year, I think Pluralsight also does this, where once a year they either have an author summit or, like, um, like like a get together, and that's a really nice way of going, oh, yeah, I know this face. But now, now I can actually, you know, interact with you on a personal level. And that actually makes it slightly better. So even, even though it's a con, um, to, it's, it's more difficult to get to know a person on that personal level. I do think you can mitigate that or like, like change that by actually just meeting in person maybe once a year or so. Mm. And, there's, and there's definitely two levels to that whole thing, right? And there's, there's people that you like on a social level. Um, and there's also there's people you like working with. You know, there's a lot of people I like working with, and I know I don't really know very much about their personal lives, and I don't really need to know much about their personal life. Because the life that we have together is here at work, and, and we have a great time. And then we go and we, you know, we do something else completely differently, which it doesn't matter whether you know about it or not. But tomorrow we'll be back to to work together, which is and that's the cool part. I like that part, you know, and I like working with that person. Um, so, so I, I think in a way that for me is is almost a pro for remote working. Sometimes is I can get to just be almost super geek about it, and just really in a very clean way work with the person. I don't really have to worry about whether the guy has terrible like bo or you know. <laughs> Whatever, like it's it's cool. Like he's got a great mind, and we work well together. He codes like a demon, so let's go. I, I think it's very different remote working from you know, like like we were saying earlier, Stephen. Whether you're in a consultancy or whether you're, you're coding. Yeah, no, no, no. I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. I mean, especially after you laid it out so nicely, so nicely. Just now, it makes it makes a lot more sense to me. Now, I, I mean, I've never been anti anti-remote um so part of part of what i was doing at chase was was trying to improve the the remote friendliness of of the team um it's it's not something that i did particularly well unfortunately i thought i thought i had something good going on but but i didn't really (laughs) you know in in hindsight there's so many things i could have done differently and unfortunately i didn't but you know hindsight hindsight is 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 2020 as they say um yeah, I, I, I can't. I don't think I've got any more questions um, from my side. Um, Len, Peter, anything more that you guys would like to cover? Well, I think there's a bunch more cons to, to working remotely, which we haven't touched on yet. Um, one, a, a, a huge one for me is there's no great shared whiteboard. Um, I love whiteboards. I think every time I want to start chatting about stuff, I want to grab a pen and say, "Cool, pull in." Let's let's try and sketch this out, you know. Let's do some blocks and arrows and try and like draw a picture of it. I for me, I like to to have pictures of, of code, and I find yeah, even though there are kind of tools that you can do kind of mouse clicky and things, something about the physicalness of standing up and being around a whiteboard, I I do miss. Um, so so what I'll do a lot of the time is if if we're having a chat or something, I'll 
move uh, a call over to my phone, put it on the headset and go walk outside while we're having the chat, just so I can get that, that physical energy going, um, to, to get the blood flow going. Um, yeah, and I think sometimes working remotely, you can lose focus on the bigger picture of the project, you know, because, we, you know, we'll chat and we'll say, okay, you're doing X, Y, Z, you're doing the back end or something, so I'll focus on, like, the message queues or, or whatever. And and then, I'll, you know, for the next month, I'm busy with message queuing and building the most awesome message queuing system the world has ever known. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's not always the right thing. So sometimes I think, even though people are dedicated on open source projects, they can go off on... A bit of a tangent, and you know, somebody like you got to reel them in. You know, that's so why I was sourcing about the kind of boss and self-management thing. I think that stuff's really hard on remote teams. Mm. But I mean, that's where it comes down to culture. I mean, you you're going to hire, you're going to hire people that at least that you hope have got discipline or that have previously proved themselves working on a remote team, right? Mm. Yeah, sure, but how do you? I mean, how do you focus a remote team? You know, how do you? How do you guys make sure that you're always working towards something consistent? Like the the requirements analysis, you know, the the softer, less engineering side of it, I think is is doubly hard on a remote team. Hmm. Yeah. No. Okay. I I, I see that. I yeah. see that. Hmm. Yeah, I can kind of kind of see. Yeah. Um. With, like I said, with us, um, I think like the constant talking about it every day, catching up now and then, is is a very good way of keeping us focused because there's always going to be this one guy that says, okay, listen, you guys, um, this is becoming quite an issue. We need to resolve it. Let's tackle this for the next two to three days. And that kind of refocuses us. Um, on a on a particular scenario, and then we'll all just bash this one particular thing, um, yeah. and then after that, it kind of like weans off, and you go off and you resolve some other issues, and then four days later, it will be like, okay, guys, there's this one thing that we really need to tackle right now, and I think mm. I think that that kind of that's kind of like a good balance um, between yeah. keeping keeping a particular or like a single direction going, as well as not like this constant like it's it's almost like a mini sprint right like you yeah. do the sprint and then like like you have a couple of days off where you can just do your own thing on the project and then you'll have another sprint so i think that works quite well so is another project you're working on is an open source project right yes it's that cqrs event store stuff if i'm not mistaken yeah it's a event sourcing database yeah. so so that's pretty cool and i think that is one of the missing forces a lot of the time. Like, because it's open source, mm-hmm. you're getting, I mean, you've got users, people who are using this code base, this library and framework in, in production on, on other systems, right? Yep. So they, they're going to come back to you and say, hey, guys, this is not working, or, or you've got a serious bug with X, Y, Z, and the team can rally around that kind of focus. So, so I, think, I think remote teams work really well on... Popular open source projects, if I can put it that way. You know, if they're not popular, so you, you you have the same problem. You don't have feedback from the world. Yeah, you know, which Steve Stephen has like daily because he's there at the client. Mm. The client's going, "Hey, your thing sucks," and you're like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll fix it. Hang on, you know, <laughs> we'll be done by Wednesday." 
whatever it is. Our clients love us, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's because you spoke the coffee, so. man. You spoke the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I know That's you guys. <laughs> That's why we work in Nike, Stephen. Damn it, damn it. The secret is out. The secret is out. It's just a little bit of heroin or LSD every now and then, right? It's nothing nothing serious. That is brilliant. So I did just think of something, and and I do apologize, because this is jumping back to a much earlier conversation. Going back to tools, right? So you've got a remote team now. Where do you keep your continue? Where do you host your, your continuous integration server? It's something that I take for granted, right? So, to, for me, any team uses either Git or Mercurial, which means that they use something like Bitbucket or GitHub or something else. Like okay. it's just that the, as, as we were talking now about something else, the first thing that we've got a, a, like a monitor that we've got up in our office mm-hmm. that shows us the status of each of our builds mm-hmm. and how far it is in the team city pipeline and mm. um, you know all sorts of stuff like that and I suddenly thought like crap if you've got a remote team like where do you keep that because when I was at Chase you know our builds our, our build system was was in the office so I VPN'd onto the network and I could still see what was going on but if your team is completely remote and you don't really have the central office yeah, but, that, but there's there's so many tools in this space now, and that's that's where something like Slack or, or whatever chat system you have front ends into all those tools. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yet every time we do a build or I do a push, it shows up in our Slack channel. There's a build server somewhere. It's in the cloud, you know. And who who really cares what it is? It does a particular thing. Is that like take, a literal cloud? Is it like in the cloud? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, that's well. It's actually in Cloud Africa somewhere. I don't know. It's <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, I mean, so we we run GitLab, for instance, which is a you know the the, the open source version of GitHub. Um, you know, we like to keep our code in house, um, but but there, there are lots of those tools. Um, Hubot is that great um, uh, sort of chat bot from github do you guys know hubot yeah. yeah yes yes yeah and you can make hubot do all sorts of cool things like take a deployment run a script and kind of get it into production uh, zach holman had a really cool short video on uh, customizations he made with hubot years ago i'm pretty sure it's still on on zach's um uh, blog i'll find the link and i'll slap it in the show notes um so yeah you you can construct these tool chains pretty quickly uh, these days from yeah. open source or fairly cheap um, commercial products. I mean, the the JetBrains, Utrek, and TeamCity tools chain is just unbelievably good, and it's really not that expensive. Um, yeah, I mean, you could also get a hosted TeamCity um, server. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not very difficult to get to. You actually have a hosted TR somewhere um, offsite, and with Docker and things now, it's um, it's so easy. Just grab the X image, <laughs> start it, set it up, and off you go. I, I think there's a lot of hygiene though on a remote team that we probably haven't spoken about, and part of the hygiene is getting very clear about your tool chain, what commit messages look like, what's the workflow in my tool chain. And and how do I get code in and out? Like you, Peter, you spoke about pull requests. Yep. Some teams are like, that's how it works. You, everybody branches off, 
gets a pull request going, you know, and, and often projects will um, either adopt one that's out there or form their own workflow. For so new people come along and say, "Great, this is how it works." You put your code over there, you send off this email, or you put it into Garrett or whatever the code review tool is that you guys have chosen, and then somebody on the core team will accept the commit. Apache is a very good example of how those kinds of systems work. Uh, but once you've got that set up, that's you know pretty much a system that everybody can then rely on as as part of the remote workflow. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice, as you said, Peter, being able to come to a place where you've got a history of whatever's happened in the in the team. Yeah, I think that's that's very important, especially if you if you're working on like even if you're just tinkering on a bunch of other projects, that context switch. Like I know when I go to Slack and mm. I go to that particular channel, that's the particular context that I'm working in. And if I scroll back up to where I last read. And come back down and can go. Okay, cool. This is this is where we were going. Um, I can kind of kind of get back into it, and then mm. by the time I'm finished reading and catching up on the on the commits or the and we've we've got a, not just our commits hooked up. We've got um, our support. Um, so um, we've got our support requests that also go into Slack, so I can mm. actually see what are the issues, what kind of issues is going on, um, how does the get up messages align with some of the issues that we've been seeing um, so that's I think that's very important for us that communication is, is crucial yeah we, we have our support stuff flowing into Slack as well well at least the notifications of them yeah 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 so Zendesk I know Zendesk has a pretty cool um, like we've got Zendesk hooked, uh, Zende, Zendesk hooked into Slack right which is which was working very well well, you know, the next step for Slack, of course, is to be able to, like, edit code or reply to support requests directly in Slack. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Separation of concerns. Well, no, that's concern. all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Laptops are obsolete, man. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I did, I did hear a very interesting quote from somebody, and now I can't remember who it was, so it's all hearsay. But they were saying that they actually, um, ooh, okay, doesn't matter, that people are actually starting to code from their phones now. Mm. So basically get a, a Bluetooth keyboard or whatever um, and, and code on your phone. That kind of terrifies me and excites me all at the same time. Oh my word! Well, that I, is the I reason think... they. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Carry on, Peter. That is the reason they created tablets. No, it, dude. Yes, that's that's that was the point that this lady had on a podcast, and I can't remember what podcast it was now. Sorry, I interrupted you, Lynn. No problem. Have you guys seen some of these um, web-based IDE systems? Mm-hmm. So I tried Cloud9 for a while, and the lag killed me. I just when when I type something, it, it needs to it, it needs to appear <laughs> like right now. That that latency just not for me. Uh, Maybe may you know on first world broadband that would be better. Mm, when last did you use it? October or November so it has been a while Mm. admittedly Um, but yeah I I tried Cloud9 twice a few months apart and the features were awesome the idea is is just 
wonderful. The latency being on a third world connection just killed me. Mm. I just, you know, we really got to do that scaling episode and that kind of stuff. I was I was recently in the states for like over a month, and sure the latency is a bit better, but our bandwidth here is great, man. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, most of okay, us well, have I've, four I've, meg plus lines. So. so I've never left the country. Yeah. So when when I think of South African bandwidth, to me, the max I've I've used has been just over four meg. I've been on a fiber line once and seen the speed test and gone, wow, that looks amazing. Mm. And that's it. You know, I've got I've got friends of mine all over the place that are playing online games with you know a ping of under a hundred, and here when I get a ping of just over two hundred, I, I think I'm having an amazing night. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> no la- so, latency yeah. is a problem, but you know that's uh, speed of light. That's laws of physics, right? <laughs> yeah, mm. stuff that I don't understand. <laughs> well, London's just eleven thousand kilometers away, or whatever it is. You know? That's you, you. You can't get past that. <laughs> just squirt a little oil on the tubes and make the data slide faster. What's the Stephen, problem? Do no, not no, put no. oil into the fiber optics. <laughs> no. So what you do is you actually fold the planet on top. <laughs> I like yeah, that. That you, is a much better idea. Yeah. Did you guys not watch Event Horizon? There are problems when you fold space time. <laughs> We're going to have Sam Neill ripping his eyeballs out and offering them to us. Come on. <laughs> yeah, like physics in Hollywood is the topic for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, for sure. Okay, cool. So since I can feel that we're starting to deviate slightly, anything more pertaining to remote teams that does not involve the event horizon? Um, so uh, I, I do think that uh, we, we sort of touched on this use of the cloud, and I think that's a big thing, like testing environments, and you know, it's all very well. I've got my kind of code going, and Peter touched on it earlier with having the continuous integration, possible continuous deployment and testing happening somewhere out there. Um, and I think that's that's kind of crucial to, to having a successful remote team working. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. Yeah, yeah. I think having the setup is is one of the most important parts to probably get right. That and the culture of the team are probably the most challenging parts. Yeah. Also, um, just as a, as an aside, um, for for a lot of people that are listening to the podcast that want to, because there's always this conversation about how do you actually get involved in like an open source project, and that's one of the ways that you can get into working remotely. And the thing is, people think, oh, yeah, you pick this huge, humongous task and you hit at it and you submit this pull request of like 15,000 lines. And to be quite honest, it's it's not about that um, at all. Um, like so, so I've actually committed to projects that I I have no idea what is actually going on on a, like an intimate level in the code on the project. But just skimming through a readme, I could detect that there were issues with it. So submitting a pull request from that point of view, um, fixing documentation. People love that stuff because nobody wants to write documentation, right? And, yeah, yeah. And I've, they, I've had pull requests accepted to Docker, which was just fixing documentation. Yeah, and that's that's the first start to actually getting involved in a in a in a, in a like a remote team. And um, I do think that like at least <laughs> developers should at least attempt. Um, 
to either get a little bit more interactive on on something like GitHub, which is what quite quite popular, um, because it exposes you as well to the other side. Like if you're just a normal nine to five developer and you're keen to to just get out there, like put your name out there or like um, work on an interesting project, don't be don't be like don't feel like all like attempt or not what's it like what's what's the word I'm looking for um not scared ashamed ashamed yeah so don't feel ashamed that um that you that you use the open source code and you've never given it back (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um uh, that's that's I think that's so important is to always have like a side project and if you could contribute to an open source project you learn so much um from other people um, as well as working on a on a code base um, that's outside of your realm of like comfortability, I think it's very important um, mm. for us to to push ourselves forward and to learn. Oh sure, and, and to get over that that hump of actually showing your code in public, I think that mm-hmm. is uh, that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the really difficult part that some people struggle with. Um, I've read some interesting posts about that over the years, and the one that stands out was um, the guy from Thirty Seven Signals. Uh, oh, I, I might be getting his name wrong. I think it was Sam Stevenson who wrote the article on "You Are Not Your Code" and how difficult it is putting the code out there. And when people critique the code, you feel that they're like it's almost an attack on you. Um, when it's not so trying to you know disassociate your your person from your code mm. sure but that's like zen master level nine you know like you can't you can't just like go out into the stage like sing your sing your song and then people go hey you're you suck man and go well that's cool like it doesn't matter like it wasn't me of course it's you like i i wrote that code i mean the, the other side is like the thing that makes me like get up in the morning as I wrote the code you know like I'm proud of it so of course it's like you know it's a problem when somebody goes your code sucks so I don't really understand a lot of that like egoless programming you know egoless teams I mean we're in this because we care we care very deeply yeah I think there's just a distinct difference between taking something so personally um, and realizing when somebody has a point. Look, it also comes down to how the person stated it. So if somebody comes and you look, your code sucks, mm. at that point that person needs to be slapped on the side of the head because they haven't stated which part of the code sucks. They haven't stated why it sucks. Mm. And most importantly, they haven't stated how they are going to help you fix it. You know, So I, you know, there, there, are, there are two sides to it. But mm. I mean, I I posted something years ago and a guy was like, wow, you clearly know nothing about JavaScript. Mm. And I was like, okay, fair enough. So where should I go and read up to learn more about it? And he never, ever replied. And so that was completely useless. And yeah, I I did feel really crappy when he said the comment. But at the same time, I thought like, okay, it's just an online troll. He wanted to feel superior. I'm sure he does now. Good for him. And then you sent him a mail bomb. Yeah. No, I didn't. I'm an, I'm I'm a really really nice guy, Peter. I just had very nasty thoughts about things I would do to him mm. in traffic. Yeah, and then eventually one day you're on a podcast and you start telling the world. <laughs> At least I didn't put his name down. Yeah. Yeah, have you guys heard of what's it? Godwin's law. 
No, no I haven't. It's like in, in any, uh, I think it's something like in any uh, extended online debate, at some point the Nazis will be evoked. <laughs> well, yeah, at some point, like, it gets nasty, you know. <laughs> like if, if it carries on for long enough, once you've gone through VI versus Emacs and Star Wars oh, yeah. versus Star Trek, you know. Somebody will get called a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it like tends uh, tends towards that. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, mm. that to me, like I think I think we touched on a lot of parts of remote of remote stuff, mm. and I'm I'm quite happy with everything that was touched on. Um, so thank you very much, um, guys, for for your for your inputs and for your experience. Um, just jumping across to picks quickly um i'm gonna go first tonight i've got two picks and going along with tonight's um, topic is 37 signals uh, book remote that came out uh, about two years ago now um, although they make it seem very simplistic it it was still a very very good book to read through and a lot of the things I, th- I think if you read um, re- uh, uh, remote you have to read the other book rework as well because a lot of the things that they mention in remote kind of ties back to rework it's I really 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 enjoyed it um, I'm seeing oh lol sorry Len I've only just seen your comments now that I steal your pick <laughs> yeah I do <laughs> so there we go so Lynn and I both pick remote yeah no remote is a really good book and and even yeah. in fact if you go and look at some of the 37 signals guys blogs about working remotely what you're saying Pedro about going to work at the coffee shop getting a, a break from the monotony um, you know those guys have a lot of tips on that like things like definitely have a routine you know treat it like a real job Mm. So great book, good pick. There's a there's a, a speaking of all of this. There's a podcast episode of the Freelancer Show that I need to find, um, and and I'll I'll link it in the show notes. I'll put it as one of my picks. But one of the things that they do on the show is they all describe their routine. Mm. So one of the guys on the podcast, he starts his morning with a a, a bicycle ride into town to go and sit at a coffee shop for two hours. Then he cycles back home and then he does this and then he goes out somewhere. So he moves around, but he's got a set routine. So he knows when he's at the coffee shop, he's dealing with email, he's dealing with follow-ups, he's dealing with you know x stuff and then he goes to another place and then he deals with you know something else um so there's that and then my third pick and this is something that i've been trying to find for so long and i need to say thank you to radio 702 which makes me feel really old my dad had a tape when i when i was a kid like seven eight years old and I used to listen to this album, and I loved it. And my dad couldn't remember the the artist. I mean, I was chatting to him about it recently, and it turns out it was an album by Foreigner. So the album is Foreigner's uh, Head Games album. That is my third pick for today. Len? Um, well, seeing as you took my uh, pick, uh, I'm all out. You know, I only come prepared with one. Um, no, just kidding. There's there's a website called Work Remotely that looks kind of interesting. 
And there are actually a lot of these um, online uh, communities where you can go and sign up and, and get work remotely. Things like TopTal and, and those sort of guys. We probably shouldn't mention them unless they sponsor us. Eh? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think if you're interested, there's that. And, of course, yeah, just go to GitHub and check out issues and projects that you want to work with and try and fix issues on them. I've, I've done that a couple of times, even though I'm not actively looking for for jobs. It's kind of cool on your CV when you've got uh, a bunch of pull requests that have been accepted on GitHub. So out of interest like that, we work remotely was actually set up by 37signals to go in conjunction with um, the remote book. Cool. So, yeah, Peter. So one thing that I actually do quite like doing is, especially if I want to try and zone in to do some work, is um, so the one pick is RDO. Um, so it's RDO.com, um, uh, which is another online music service. Um, what is quite nice is the way that um, they kind of like pull music that you are likely to listen into your stream. Um, I, I quite like that. And another one is Coffitivity. Um, which is like, um, it's like this ambient noise that uh, that they play for you in the background. You can like uh, on the website, you can actually like um, set the noise level or the the sound level, um, so that actually mixes in quite nicely with the music. I can just hear like a, a morning murmur in the background, and and for me, I don't know, it might distract other people, but for me, it actually focuses me. Um, just having this. It's almost like cutting out the people in the office, and it feels like I'm like just focused on what I need to do. Um, yeah, those are my two picks. Cool. So since you're now somebody else that uses Coffitivity, I discovered this awesome little hack. And I shouldn't really call it a hack, but whatever. So there's another website, very similar to it, called Rainy Mood. Yes. So what you do is you have Rainy Mood and Coffitivity yes. open at the same time. <laughs> so it sounds like it's raining and you're in a coffee shop. And the combination of the two works like a charm for me every single time. Yeah. I it's absolutely it's love those. It's straight to sleep, man. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So, like... I can sleep very well when it rains, but if I'm busy coding and it starts raining and thunder and lightning and mm. all that stuff, I, that that is my zone. Yeah, so it's pretty much just white noise. Yeah. So I, I'm 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 a metalhead, but the, the 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 music that I listen to when I try and work, I try and find the most dumbed down repetitive stuff I can I can find, which is why I tend to listen to rave mm-hmm. when I need to focus on something, because the music means absolutely nothing to me, and I, I apologize to rave people that are moved by the bass that is being dropped, but to me. <laughs> That means absolutely nothing. Um, whereas if I'm trying to get work done and, you know, Metallica is playing or something, you know, I associate, you know, emotion and memory and stuff with, with music like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely white noise. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to stop rambling right well, now. Well, that's them fighting words, man. Them fighting words. You know. But, yeah, there's, there's I just dropped a, a link in to a guy who's put together a whole bunch of like tunes called Music to Code By, yes. and it's pretty good. It's it's pretty much what you're saying, Stephen, sort of repetitive, like non, you know, it's non-cerebral, it's not like Bach or something where you have to 
try and listen to it. This is just pretty straightforward. A couple of samples on the site, and it's you know, open sourcey kind of dude. You can go and support him. Yeah, so that's that's Cole Franklin stuff. Yes, eh? it is. Yeah, yeah that's so right. He's, yeah. yeah, he's the dude from .NET Rocks. Yeah, no, I I have actually tried out that before. Um, and it's it's not bad. It's not cool. bad. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for for being on and for sharing your experiences and everything else. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm just going to link Twitter profiles um, for where to find you guys in the show notes, unless there's somewhere new. Nope, nope. We're all at the same so, place. The usual spots. Cool. Mm. Thank you very much. That's it for this week. Sweet. Cool. cool. Cheerio. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers, guys.